by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 13. We do need to break the mold of thinking that this is we're just going through the motions with church. Church has been has become something in America that we just come to on Sundays, or we don't if we don't feel like it. You know, if something is a little bit more important, what could be more important than who you are in Christ? And faithfulness in the church has diminished to the point where people they come once a month and they think they're doing God a big favor. Where? A, a, a faithful man who can find, the Bible says. We're in the end times. We ought to be more faithful than anybody at, at all times in human history. We ought to be ready. We ought to have our lamps trimmed and have oil in them. We ought to be doing exactly what we know we're supposed to be doing when God comes back. So I would encourage you to, to encourage yourself, to stir yourselves up. You're in that seat today for a reason. This is the filling station to get us out into that world and to make a difference with our lives. Luke eleven thirteen says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's saying, you know, we're sinful at times and and we don't always do the right thing. We're not always the world's best parents. But even us, we know that we want to give good things to our children. So how much more the perfect heavenly, the good, good father that we sing about, he wants to give gifts to his children. And what is the gift that he talks about here today in this verse? The gift of the Holy Spirit. He singles that gift out as maybe the most important gift. And as you see, as we go along in the message today, and we, talk, we, we share scriptures today about this, you're going to see that that is God's plan, that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One time I went fishing with a friend of mine from work named Derek. We went to some ponds and stuff, caught a few bass, thought we was doing real good. And we, so we took them over to my dad's house. To, to brag and to show off, you know. My dad's like, he was, he, he's passed now, but he was like the world's best hunter and fisher. I mean, bar none. He, he was regionally known for his ability to catch and kill. I mean, <laughs> but anyway, we went to his house, and we was going to show off, and we brought our little stringer of bass, and, and my brother happened to be over there, Heath. He was there, and, and we were showing off, and, and my friend Derek, he says, yeah, we make a great bass fishing team. I bet we could beat you guys in a tournament. And uh, my eyes got big. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Shut up, Derek. Because <laughs> I know my dad. He could take an old broomstick and a, a roll of baling wire and a, a safety pin or something and go out there on I-55 in a pothole and catch more fish than I could <laughs> in a stock pond somewhere. I just He can catch some fish now. And I, I knew it was wrong for him to challenge my dad, but I heard this voice say, yeah, that's right. And I realized it was my own. 
Somebody needs to come up with a cure for this testosterone stuff. So he agreed. Next Saturday, we'll meet at the big lake, and we'll see who can catch the bass. And so that next Saturday, me and Derek went down there, and he had invited another friend from work named Keith. And Keith, he was real quiet, never said a word. But it made me a little nervous to have somebody else witness what was about to happen. But we got there earlier than my dad because I was going to try real hard. Just maybe a miracle could happen, you know, and we could catch more fish than my dad. And we backed the boat in, and, and I pulled. I had a little old cheap boat at the time. It, I call it my Ishmael boat. I shouldn't have never bought this boat. But I, it cranked up the first pull, and I was like, yeah. It was the first time I cranked it that year. And we took off, and it went about 20 yards, and it started going, and went dead. And we're just out there, and, and Derek said, did you put fresh gas in it from last year? And I said, shut up, Derek. So I took the callin off, and I'm working. I couldn't get it cranked. We were working on the motor. Meanwhile, my dad and my brother pull up, and they he launches his nice boat with a 70 horsepower, you know, Yamaha motor that cranks up the first try, and they go right on past us. And I just set my jaw, and I finally got that motor cranked. We just down and like, you know. And so, you know, about 20 minutes, we finally caught up to where they had been fishing for 20 minutes. And I saw he was in my honey hole, and my dad was wrangling a big bass in the boat, and my brother had the net, you know, and I just kept going. I said, that's all right. I know a better hole on down the lake. I really didn't, but we, what I'm going to do now? So I went on down a little further, and I ran up on dry ground. I said, man, this water's down a little bit. I guess you know, it was still water, but you couldn't see that it had gotten real shallow. So I, I had to get out of the boat. I'm about knee-deep in mud. I had to push the thing back off, and this ain't working the way I Part of the tournament that I had hoped. So I got it turned around, and so we come puttering back down, and I see my dad reeling another one in out of my second honey hole, and I said, that's all right, just, we're just going to go past the boat dock to the other end of the lake. I know what I'm doing. And as we got about to the boat dock, something told me, just turn into the boat dock and call it a day. Because the wind had started whipping up, especially on that end of the lake, and I, I knew it was it was blowing the wrong way. You see, if we got down there and that motor wouldn't crank, I, but I said, okay, I'll just go a little ways past the boat ramp. So we went about 100 yards down, and I, and I cut the motor off and went and got on the front of the boat and put the trolling motor down, and, and we started trying to troll, and it went about 10, 15 seconds, and that motor said, brrr. Derek said, did you charge your battery before you came? I ain't gonna tell you what I said at that point but we fished for a minute didn't catch nothing I said that's it we're going down to the end of the lake so I got that motor cranked and pa -pa -pa -pa, we went down to the end of the lake and ran aground again and that's when Keith who hadn't said a word all day finally spoke up he said maybe we just need to go by, back to the dock while we still can and that made me mad I said, fine, and I went and I grabbed the, the pull rope on that motor, and I pulled it, and when I pulled it so hard, it broke the rope, and it came and just wrapped Derek in the back of the head. Wah! Poof! <laughs> now, here we were at the end of the lake. We don't have a big motor. We don't have a little motor. I didn't bring a paddle. And the wind is whipping up about 20 miles an hour against us. 
but yet seeing that knot form on Derek's head just made me laugh. Sometimes you just got to laugh, you know. Me and Keith just got a big laugh about it. But there we were, up the creek without a paddle. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God has called us to be fishers of men, hasn't he? He's called us to catch fish. We should have fish in the boat. We should know what we're doing. But we come fishing and we don't have any power. We don't think to bring a paddle or, or maybe we're paddling and that's all we got. But, but somebody's beating us to the hole. Today's message is entitled Resurrection Power Source. Now we've been in this series called, called Resurrect My Life. And I thought last week was the last of it. But God said, well, wait, wait a minute. Because, see, two weeks ago we talked, or the last two weeks, we talked about having a tender heart, resurrecting a tender heart, so that we could resurrect a heart of worship. And then I was just going to quit there, but God says, aren't you going to even remind them of what causes a tender heart? What resurrects a heart in the first place? The power source behind the resurrection? It's okay to want all these things, but if you don't have the power to do all these things, then what good is it? So today, he's instructed me to, to preach a message called Resurrection Power Source. And I would submit to you that there is no true resurrection in anybody's life without the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 1, verse 4, it says he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead. I mean, that kind of confirmed it, didn't it? You want to know why Buddha isn't the Son of God? Because he's still dead. Want to know why Muhammad isn't the Son of God? He's still dead. But Jesus was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in Romans 8, 11, it says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. What? I did not know that, as Johnny Carson used to say. He lives in you if you're born again. Now, he's writing to the church in Rome, so he's writing to believers. Now, if, if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. But he said, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. That same Spirit that caused the, the hands that were pierced and the side that was pierced and the, the feet that were pierced and that dead broken striped back body that beat beyond recognition in that tomb that had been in that tomb for three days that raised him from death lives in us and can live in us if we make Jesus the Lord of our life many people try to resurrect themselves I know I did. I bet you did too, didn't you? You looked at yourself and said, man, I, this, my life ain't working out the way I had hoped. I wanted to be a good person, but I find myself 
not being a good person. I wanted to do good things and great things on this earth, but I, I seem to come up short. I don't have the ability. There's something in me that always makes me settle for less. There's something in me that always makes me cuss everybody or whatever it is in our life. I want to be the good husband. I want to be the good wife. I want to raise my children right. But I, I, I work on my willpower and I, and I store it up and I try to do real good and I do good for a couple of days, but then I go back to me. Can anybody identify? And we're trying to do it in our own strength. And we have reinvented ourselves so many times. We read these books. Oh, this is going to set me free. But there's only really one book that will set you free. There's only really one book that's going to tell you the truth. And you cannot, and the, the book will tell you, you cannot be a good person apart from Christ. Apart from the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> after Jesus was raised from the dead the disciples they were they were ready to get to work and tell the people about this but Jesus said oh, oh guys slow your roll I know you're anxious but I don't want you going out there messing this thing up until you've been endued with power from on high and in Acts 1 4 he says once he once when he was eating with them he commanded them do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift remember the gift that the father gives the gift that he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Say baptized. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you, were these disciples, were they saved? They believed in Christ. Jesus had breathed on them after he was resurrected. So they had... They, they were, you would say, them decide, Peter wasn't going to hell. They were saved. But Jesus is saying, wait until you be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why would he say that? Because in Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You won't be down at the end of the lake looking for a paddle, getting out in knee-deep mud, trying to push your boat along. With no fish in the boat. You won't have to struggle so hard. You won't have to sweat and wonder why somebody else is catching all the fish in life. You will have power in your life. And then uh, somewhere between 7 to 10 days, depending on how you, you map it out, the day of Pentecost came and 120 disciples were in the upper room praying and waiting. Just like Jesus said, waiting to be baptized, and they were, and God sent the Holy Spirit. And man became containers for the Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, as I was studying out this message, I didn't realize it, but next Sunday is the day that we celebrate Pentecost. It was the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit came. And that's a day to celebrate, let me tell you. See, God's plan has always been to be in us. We look at the account of the garden and Adam and Eve, how they walked with God in the cool of the day. And we think, that was great, man. I wish we could get back to the garden. I wish we could walk with God in the cool of the day. But that wasn't God's final plan. God knew that Adam was sin, and he already had a plan. He already had a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He already had, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He already had this figured out. He was going to make it so that Jesus would give us a redo and that every person 
man, woman, or child in this world would have a decision to make. Do they want Jesus? Do they want God? And if so, they would be able to have the decision, do they want to be filled with him? And not just walk with God, but have God in them and be in Jesus and be in the Father. There would be a, a spiritual thing come together so complete that it would far outdo just walking beside somebody. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, some of you are saying, thinking that you have everything that God has, but you're wondering why you still got this big knot growing on the back of your head, and you ain't getting nowhere, and there's no power in your life, and that's, that's where we are. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, it says that that, that curtain that was in front of the Holy of Holies where the Spirit of God dwelled, was rent from top to bottom. That means God, not man didn't start from the bottom and rip it. God reached down and ripped it from the top and made it so that all who would come to the Holy of Holies could be filled with the Spirit of God. Not just the priest once a year. It was available. That's why he said it's finished. That's the work he came to do to fill you with his Spirit to be in you. That's the connection that he has wanted with all of us. And we resist. You do always resist the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. John 17, 21 says, I pray that, Jesus is praying, he says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Do you see Jesus' heart? why he came that we may be one with him now I know it don't make sense to our natural minds but don't be natural brute beast don't be so carnal that you can't believe that God has more for you than you can understand in your natural mind that is the problem we have to figure it out we walk by sight not by faith <clears throat> who is the Holy Spirit Well, he's not just some spooky, unpredictable force. Some people, when they hear the word Holy Ghost in the Bible, and they say, ooh, ghost. <laughs> and nobody, not, not many people in America are preaching about the Holy Spirit because it's been divisive. But why has it been divisive? Because it's so powerful, and the devil don't want you to know. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has feelings. It says that he can be grieved, and I can imagine he's pretty grieved about the church in America rejecting him so blatantly. He's part of the Holy Trinity. He's even mentioned in the Great Commission, the plan that he has for our lives to go and make disciples. In Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now see, I can't explain the Trinity. Three distinct personalities, but one God. All three are God. Who is this Holy Spirit? He is God. Sometimes we, we, we love the Father. We love, we can see Jesus. We saw Jesus and we, we love Jesus, but this Holy Spirit, I don't know about, I can't see him, so I'm just going to ignore him. But he is the Spirit living in you. 
And when you call on God's name, you say, God, help me. It's probably going to be him that's answering because he's the one with you. It's the one God sent to be in you. Jesus said, I go to the Father, but I, I will send somebody. He is God. In Acts chapter 5, a man named Ananias, he lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, you, you haven't lied to us, you have lied to God. When you lie to the Holy Spirit, you lie to God. He's the most misunderstood part of the Holy Trinity for sure. Acts 19, 2 says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Sounds like the church in America today. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We just kind of skip over those scriptures and get to what we can see in our natural mind. And you, you see... It's the devil, it's our flesh rejecting spiritual matters. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And the devil's main goal is to keep us from realizing our power source. That's why you say, well, there's always the division about the Holy Spirit, so I don't want to get involved. The division is because God, the devil doesn't want you to know that the Holy Spirit is your power source. He wants you to go on living beat down, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. To be children of God, but living like children of the devil. He's not afraid of a powerless church, one with no bullets in their gun. He would love for you to say, well, I'm not going to discuss the Holy Spirit. I don't understand it. I, I can't see him. I'm just going to love the Father, and I'm going to love the Son. But we're just going to reject the Holy Spirit. He's not afraid of a church that thinks that he's just a harmless little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork. And we're playing tiddlywinks and he's, he's at war with us. And he doesn't want you to know that if you discover the power of the Holy Spirit in you, that he's defeated already. And meanwhile, the church is cowering down to the enemy or they're pretending that there's no battle and that everything is good because we can't see into the spiritual realm. But there is a war going on for the souls of mankind. There is an epic battle happening right now in the spiritual realm and we're sitting around playing tiddlywinks. I didn't mean to get you upset. But we... If we keep going like this, we're going to end up like the seven sons of Sceva. Y'all remember that story? There's seven brothers. I guess their dad's name was Sceva. <laughs> the seven sons of Sceva. They saw Paul casting out devils. And they said, wow, let's go into business doing that for ourselves. Let's go do that. We can make some money casting out devils. And you probably make some money in America casting out devils today. <laughs> but anyway... If that's the way it worked. They found this guy riddled with demons. And they cornered him. And they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Come out of him. And that devil looked at them and said, now Jesus I know. 
Paul, I heard of him. Well, who are you? I don't see no Holy Ghost in you. He didn't say all that. I'm just, I'm just ad-libbing here. He jumped on them and commenced whooping them. Whooped all seven brothers. Whooped them until they left the house that said bleeding and naked. He didn't strip their clothes off. He whooped them so hard. I guess they thought to themselves, well, I ain't doing that no more. Because why? They tried to fight the battle without any bullets in their gun, without any power in their life. They was calling on a name, and there's authority in the name of Jesus, but they weren't calling out of a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus wasn't in them. And so the power didn't work for them. And they left there thinking, well, we ain't doing that no more. And that's where a lot of people in the church are today. They sit in the pews, and, and they've had some run-ins with the devil, and the devil's whooped them good. And they're like, I ain't fighting the devil no more. You're scared of the devil. But the whole time, he, he's over there laughing, because if you knew the authority in the name of Jesus, if you knew the power of the Holy Spirit, and you had him in your heart, that devil will be quaking every moment you wake up. Every day that you get up, you wouldn't have to mess with him much because he'd be gone. He's whooping you because you don't have any power. And you're okay with it. Say amen. Throw me. I couldn't do what I do without being filled with the Holy Spirit baptized, immersed in the things of God. I could not do it. I, and you wouldn't want me to do it. If I was up here preaching my own word, y'all would get, that's like a lot of churches, I believe. I, I'm not running down churches, but some churches are dry and dusty and hadn't had, had a move of God in 20 years. Because the man of God is not filled with the Holy Spirit and the people don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're just preaching fairy tales and, and stories. Not preaching the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit for us to be over more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Victory is ours. We should be taking territory every day, not backing up. Not quitting. Not getting beaten like the seven sons of Sceva. Say resurrecting and empowering. Resurrecting and empowering. See, the thing is, most Christians believe that they get all, uh, uh, that everything God has for them at salvation. What do I mean by that? Well, let me explain it like this. There's a difference being born of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm going to slow down at this point. When you got saved... You were born of the Spirit. Yes, you if that's all you have, you, you're going to heaven. You have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's in you. But there's something more. A deeper level is an immersion, a baptism in the Holy Spirit that takes you to a different place. You have resurrection power, but you are not empowered to live out this life that God has for you yet here on this earth. 
Acts 19, turn there, and I'll show you what I mean. If, you, if you're not agreeing with me, that's okay. That's okay. We're going to look at scriptures. <clears throat> it's your decision. Acts 19, 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Say believed. They're believers. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there was, there is a Holy Spirit. That was a scripture we just talked about. So they're believers, but they haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says, then what baptism did you receive, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for the repentance of sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come after, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, can we agree that they were believers? And now they have been, been baptized in the name of Jesus. Believed, baptized. In verse 6 it says, then. Say then. What does then mean? It means subsequent to, after this. What happens now? Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were believed and had baptized and been baptized. That's where maybe you are today. But then, after that, hands were laid on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And immediately, they were operating in the gifts that the Holy Ghost gives the church. Two of the gifts. Speaking in tongues and prophesying. Turn to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. So they said, we got some believers here. Let's go pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if you got all of the Holy Spirit when you believed, why would they go to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit? Verse 16 says, The Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were believers and had been baptized, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. And what does it say in verse 17? Then. Then. Peter and John laid hands on these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Were the disciples saved before the day of Pentecost? But then, like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit came into that room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and begin to operate in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. There was just 120 of them, but by the end of the day, there was 3,120 of them, let me tell you. Because in the power of the Holy Spirit, they begin to catch fish. They weren't stranded in the upper room down at the end of the lake with a boat paddle broke off. They were catching fish. 3,000 that first day. The church grew exponentially when the Holy Spirit came on the scene. After we got saved, most of us have gotten water baptized. That's a good order to do things because you shouldn't get water baptized until you've been saved. You get saved, you get water baptized. Why don't you get baptized in the Holy Spirit as well? Are you, are you scared that you'll ask the Father for something and he won't give you a good gift? You think you'll ask the Father for an egg and he'll give you a scorpion or a loaf of bread and he'll give you a serpent? How much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Now you're saying, well, well I'm, I'm saved, but I hadn't been water baptized yet, so I need to wait. You can go ahead and get baptized with the Holy Spirit without being water baptized. You can do that. It wouldn't be the traditional order, but you can do that. What is being born of the Spirit? Let's go back to that. I wrote this. Being born of the Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit to regenerate us to resurrect us from our spiritual death, to make us alive unto God, to bring us into relationship, to bring us into the family of God, to change the disposition of our hearts and make us alive spiritually. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It is to endow a person with the power necessary to carry out their mission and their calling as a Christian. So you can get, be saved and water baptized and you're on your way to heaven. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not a heaven or hell issue. It's an issue of whether you're going to have power down here on this side when there's a, a calling, the great commission for us to, to carry out, whether you're going to have power to, to, to run that devil out of your life and to take territory for the kingdom of God or not. Whether you're going to live below the standard that God calls you to, or whether you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the immersion into the life, and have the not just the resurrection, but the empowering of the saints of God. Resurrection and empowering. Resurrect from death, empower to your calling. It's not something to run from. The Holy Spirit is someone to run to. He's your confidant, he's your helper, he's your comforter. He's no one to be afraid of. He is God, just as much as the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit was Jesus' closest companion. When Jesus said, let there be light in the beginning, it was the Holy Spirit that was the power to take his words and turn them into light, to carry out the words of Jesus, to perform Jesus' words. He's a fellow member of the Trinity. Jesus was conceived as a human. How? 
when the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism. He, in, he uh, strengthened Jesus in his time of temptation in the wilderness. Jesus performed the miracles that he performed on the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also because I go to the Father. And if I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that you'll have the same power in you to do the, so you can do the works. It wouldn't have been fair for him to say, you can do what I do but not give you the power that he did it with. Jesus presented himself sinless at the cross so that he could be our substitute in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that gave him power over sin. To say no. Some of you are fighting against addictions, pornography, and these things that, that each one of us have these sin natures that, that have become our personal identity. And these issues that we struggle against and in our own strength, we're wrapping each other in the back of the head with the pull rope. But if you had the power, you could present your life sinless. You said, no, none of us can be sinless. Maybe so. But that's not an excuse. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability now to overcome sin. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. Okay, so maybe you've messed that up a bunch of times. I have too. But that doesn't mean we stop striving to be holy. And we're holy by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. This is better than I thought. I love when God does these things. And how was Jesus raised from the dead again? And where are you going to have power at in your life? It's by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal bodies to the degree that you give him control of your life. John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And he, he boiled his commandments down to, the, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. The commandment of love. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because the world isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, of course, he's talking before he had been resurrected. This is before he had been crucified. So he's saying later at the day of Pentecost, he'll be able to be in you. Jesus told his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. And they're like, no, they're clinging to Jesus. Please don't leave us, Jesus. How can it be better than this? You're doing miracles and, and all these signs. And Jesus is saying, look, I have, I have limited myself to a human body. I can only be in one place at one time. If you were to go over there, I, you know, you'd be away from me. 
But if I go to the Father, I will send the Holy Spirit to be in you. And so the same power that I'm doing these miracles, you can do the miracles too wherever you go. And that's how we'll reach the world. Not one person preaching messages in a local region, but by all believers being filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to spread the message of Jesus. You see how it makes sense? You see how it makes sense that God doesn't need our human strength. He, he doesn't need our ability. He needs our availability. He needs us to, to be filled with him because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, no doubt. He said, it's better I go away. In John 16, 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives of me. He's going to keep you informed. He's going to lead you in this life. Some of you have difficult decisions to make, and you just make them based on what you heard on the news or what the weather report looks like. And you've gone around these circles for so many years in your life. But the Holy Spirit is there to lead and guide us. God did not leave us down here powerless at, at the defense of the, uh, at, at the, be defeated by the devil I looked up some names of the Holy Spirit in the Bible he's called the power of the highest in Luke 135 he's called the breath of the Almighty in Job 33 4 he's called the comforter we just read that in John 14 16 he's called the eternal spirit listen to these adjectives now he's called the Spirit of God He's the Spirit of the Lord. He's the Spirit of the Son in Galatians 4, 6. He's the Spirit of the Father in Matthew 10, 20. Do you trust the Son? Do you trust the Father? Do you trust the Lord? Well, He is the Spirit of them. He is the Spirit of Christ in Romans 8, 9. He's the Spirit, listen to this, of revelation. We just saw that. He's going to teach you all things. Bring all things to your remembrance. He's going to show you what Jesus wants you to know. He's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, of might, of understanding, of knowledge, of judgment, of truth, of prophecy in Revelations 19.10. He is the spirit of holiness, the spirit of glory, the spirit of grace. And in Romans 8, he is the spirit of life. And he wants to be the spirit of your life. And he is available to you. Jesus says new wine belongs in new wineskins. He said, I have come to make all things new. Because the new wine is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit needs to belong in you. When you were resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you became a new wineskin. But it would be a shame if you were never filled with the new wine. And you never overflow. He says, your cup shall run over, my friend. Not just have enough just to get you into heaven barely. 
but that you would live a life, a more abundant life. Wow. So there we were stuck down at the end of the lake. We didn't have a big boat motor. We didn't have a trolling motor. And I ain't even brought a paddle. Wind blowing 20, 30 miles an hour. We stuck on a bar, uh, a sandbank down there. One of us got a knot on her head. And that describes most churches. But you know what we did? We called my daddy. We humbled ourselves. And we called daddy. I said, daddy, can you come get us? So about 30 minutes later, he said, well, let me catch this last couple bass in your hole down here. <laughs> he comes riding up about 40 miles an hour, you know, right down the lake. Got to us, threw us in a big wake, you know, had a whole cooler full of fish. Threw us a rope, and he towed us home. We didn't have power of our own. But I tell you what, the boat motor on his, his boat was more than enough power that we needed. And I'm going to ask you a question. What has God called you to in this life? Your answer is not going to be the same as mine or the person sitting next to you. What has God called you to? That thing that you know God's calling you to and you just don't see yourself getting there. The gap between where you are and where you're called to go, it can only be traversed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God's not calling you to something you can do in your natural strength. He knows you can't do it. You know you can't do it. But with God... All things are possible. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.